Yo, 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 this is Cookie B. Make it a habit to listen weekly for discussions and interviews. And if you're fancy, you can subscribe too. Hello, everyone. My name is Georgia Banoff, and I'm the founder of Global Celebration. And I want to invite you to jump on New Numa Godcast. It's a powerful podcast with Norman Brown. You will love it. Norman is a great host, and I appreciate Norman. Appreciate you, what you're doing. Love you, man. Yo, today we have a very interesting um, subject that we're going to talk about. And um, the subject is about apostasy. And, you know, I think that probably a lot of people in the body of Christ, they don't really understand what apostasy is about. They don't know what is the what are the clear signs of it or, you know, what types of things are affiliated with how apostasy even happens, I guess you could say. And um before we go too too deep, I wanna just kind of read the definition of apostasy. <clears throat> and as I'm looking that up, I just wanna say that um there's a lot of reasons why I wanted to talk about this. I feel like it is a very important subject that we need to talk about because we're living in a time that I believe is when the Bible talks about there be a great falling away. And um, I think that we're seeing it right before our eyes, you know, um, as we just, you know, walk through the modern-day times. So right here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 1. It says, Now we beseech you, brothers, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that a man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. 
that they all might be damned who believe not <clears throat> who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's saying a lot right there, bro. So basically, uh as we look at this subject, you know, I just wanna give people a uh little backdrop as to what caused me to um, even feel like, you know, this was something that I really wanted to talk about or I felt that should be discussed. And it was because I was actually on YouTube. (laughs) It seems like I've been talking about things from YouTube a lot lately. Um, I was on YouTube, and I came across a video that was breaking down stuff about some people who were, what I would call a high profile, and they had made decisions that are really just um, un unimaginable about what they were doing, I guess, with their lives and whatnot, and how they were going to start dealing with the things of God. And um, it's it's so interesting because so there was two people that were specifically brought to mind um and i'll be honest i didn't know their names i knew of one of them as far as the book that he wrote i'd heard about the book the other guy i've seen him on videos singing but i didn't know who he was and you know i didn't follow him like that for me to know all these kinds of things about him but essentially both of them were high-profile individuals, and, I mean, at this point in time, both of them are in their 40s. And I find it interesting how they both came to these so-called, I'm going to call them um, turning turning points in their lives, literally turn, <laughs> I mean, when you think about what they actually have done, they turned exactly the opposite way away from God. And um, so we're going to get into some stuff, man. But uh, on your, as far as you're concerned, I mean, what would you say about the issue of apostasy just on the strength of what the scriptures say about it? Well, I was going to, I wanted to know if you wanted to, first read the definition that you had or did you have a um textbook definition of apostasy okay yeah yeah let me do that let me do that hold on now the one thing i want to say before we get into the definition the word um for the words falling away in that verse 3 of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that word is apostasy. That's the word that is used in the Greek. And according to apostasy in the, the Greek definition, and that Greek word is apostasia, but that's apostasy, it actually means defection from truth. It means to forsake. So in other words, a person knows the truth, but they forsake it or they 
they defect from it. So it would be the same as if I was, let's say, uh, a Russian, and I say I'm defecting from Russia. So now I'm going to the United States to defect from Russia. I don't want to be a Russian or I don't want to be associated with Russia. I'm not going back to Russia. I want to be an American, and that's all there is to it. That is what apostasy is, essentially. That's good. Another illustration I would want to put in people's mind is just the concept when you said to defect. If you think about an assembly line or if you think about some kind of production center where they're producing goods and services, and then there are some goods and services that come in the line that are defected for some reason, and even though they were meant to go out and be distributed because they're rendered useless or worthless, they have to be thrown away. They can't represent the brand or the product um, because um, whatever it is about their stature, whatever it is about their makeup, they will not fully represent and rightfully um, reflect the image of the brand of the manufacturer um, that was putting them out there. So that's another illustration of defect. So when you ask the question about what's my initial thoughts about the scripture or, or apostasy in relation to the scripture you read, we're gonna we're gonna dig into it. But just off the top, I always looked at apostasy. Well, let me just say this: I I feel like there are assumptions about the word from some people who've been in the faith for a while and heard teachings about being an apostate, and hopefully we'll have a chance to get into that because I feel like at some point in the discussion, we have to talk about what it means to be in the faith and what happens at the point of salvation before, or not necessarily before, but as we're talking about what it means to defect from the faith in the first place, because there's a lot of different beliefs about what it means to be in the faith and what it means to be out of the faith, what it means to be backslidden, what it means to be reprobate, and what all these categories mean when we start talking about people who started in the gospel and then we see them stray off. Okay, well, one of the things that came to my mind as you were talking is the scripture in Matthew chapter 24, where it says, well, I'm going to start at, uh, I'm going to start at uh, verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my namesake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Now, there's another part to this, verse 15. I want to say this part. It says, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, 
stand in the holy place, whoso reads this, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. Now, anyway, the part that I really wanted to point out is about the, the love of many waxing cold or becoming cold. And, you know, there's a, a, another scripture that I want to read that talks about how um, this generation will be and, and stuff that about them that is um, that's very key to know uh, how people feel about God. Now, okay, so while I'm looking for that, man, what are your thoughts so far right now when we, as we're talking about this? One of the main things, when you go back to the scripture you just read and it talked about the love of them waxing cold, I just think about something becoming hardened. Um, instead of think about having a heart of flesh and then having a cold heart, um, being pliable and then coming to a place of not being able to receive anything or even the heart. And that takes me to another analogy of um, even seed being sown into fertile soil versus being sown onto hard ground, um, a fallow ground that's not broken up, not pliable, and not receptive. And there's a passage in Scripture I want to get to later, but it really talks about how um, apostasy speaks to basically producing thorns and thistles. I think that's coming out of Jude when he describes, really the whole book of Jude kind of gives you a picture also of apostasy um, when he speaks and he describes um, them as far as, producing thorns and thistles, and and it just speaks to not being fruitful, not being not being able to reproduce the image of Christ in your life, whether it be in the fruit of the Spirit with character or even with our works, uh, our godly works as being fruit. And so it shows the contrast of what it's like to be fertile, what it's like to be pliable, and then when you get to a place of being cold-hearted or hard ground and basically useless, going back to the word, um, I'll just say this while you're going into that. One of the main things that I was asking myself before we got into this podcast is one of the things I was asking was, was apostasy evident in the Old Covenant? Or is this a new thing with the body of Christ? And then he began to show all different examples of apostasy, apostasy from when Israel, people of Israel defecting from the faith based on the knowledge that they had of Yahweh. And what they were called in the Old Covenant was sons of Bilal. Uh, and you see different examples of different people called sons of Bilal, which is going to speak to directly what we're going into you just see it in Old Covenant under that, and then you see it reflected in the New Covenant as well. Yeah, so I found that scripture that I was talking about. It's in Second Timothy chapter 3, 
And I'm going to read, starting in verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Now, the one thing about that whole, um, that passage, we see a lot of negative things about whoever this is talking about, this passage. And, you know, there's certain key words that stand out to me, like truth breakers. Um, you know, people that's unthankful, boasters, proud, uh, all those kind of things that you see when you look at social media. You look at Instagram and you'll be having these idiots on there flashing money and all this kind of stuff. Like, that's supposed to mean something. And I'm like, it's just, it's, it's, it's seeing the, things that people put a, a price on or that they put a um, value on. And I remember I was watching this, I, I was been watching this series called Dope. And it's about, um, it's about the, the law enforcement side and on the criminal side of, and the drug addict side of the dope game. And it's breaking down different things and different aspects and whatnot. And, like, so one of the things that I hear I've heard several times from several different guys, yeah, man, I love this money. It's all about this money. That's that's what they that's what they focus on. Then you hear some others talking about, yeah, I'm just trying to make enough money to get out the game. And, like, this one particular person is, like, he's been doing it for, like, years upon years i'm like when is it going to be enough for you to get out the game dude you're supposed to be making all this money you claim you make it 500 grand a year (laughs) and all this kind of stuff when is it going to be enough for you to get out right so it's like they tell themselves a lie they lie to themselves about when they're going to get out or whatnot and really they ain't never going to get out and to me that shows that whole thing about lasciviousness because lasciviousness is the same way. It just keeps on talking about I'm going to get out or whatever, but actually you're really just trying to, you keep on, you never quench the thirst 
you keep on wanting more, and it's more and more and more and more, and you never get to the point where it's enough. And so all these people are just lying to themselves, talking about they're just going to get enough to get out. So the point I'm making is that, you know, you have people that are out here, um, they're all about themselves, they're selfish as they can be, self-centered, all they care about is their needs and their wants and their desires. There's nothing about what they say that is even talking about giving back to anybody, trying to help other people make it or get out of their situation or nothing. Everything is focused on self and not about helping anybody else except for themselves. And then they all tend to have the same excuse. I'm trying to feed my family. I'm trying to make sure my family is good. This, that, and the other. And I'm like, dude, you really not. It ain't about you feeding your family. Because if it was just about that, you could feed your family having a regular job. So, right. so anyway, I'm not, I don't want to get too far off on that. But the point I'm making is that these scripture, these, um, the scriptural, um, description of the kind of people that we're talking about. It's, like, so rampant these days, like I said, with the people that, you know, they break covenant. They're people that are just deceivers, liars. They're all about themselves, narcissists, all this kind of stuff. And we see that so prevalent in the day, in in the day that we live in. We see that prevalent. And um, now, to to be more clear about why... This this subject became so important to me is because I was seeing how here are some people who were major figures in the Christian world that were known around the world, and they all of a sudden made declarations that make no sense to say all of a sudden you decided you don't serve the Lord now. How in the world did that happen? So then it makes you wonder if they ever served the Lord. Now, this is where we're going to get into an interesting question. I want to have your, I want to get your take on this. Now, and I believe it's First John chapter 4, I think. I might be off. I'm, I might be wrong about what chapter or verse or whatever. But I remember in one of the first, second, or third John, I believe it's first John, where it talked about they went out from us um, because they were never among us. For had they been of us, they would they would never have left. No doubt, they would not have left from us or something like that. And um, so, but they left to show us that they were never of us. Never is the key word. So. Now the question is, how does a person get to a place of prominence in the body of Christ, in the eyes of the body of Christ, and then at the very, I guess you could call it the top of the game that they're at, they're at the top of their game, and then all of a sudden they make an announcement that completely destroys everything that they built under that fallacy, basically. And then uh, it mars the name of Christ 
it mars the image of the body of Christ. And then it further adds to the narrative that a lot of people like to use to say um, that they're not a Christian because of so many hypocrites and this, that, and the other. And so I want to know from you, like, what do you feel like is the difference between somebody who never was a Christian, but they faked it, and the person that was a Christian, but somehow they got tricked or whatever, and then they stopped serving the Lord? That That is an excellent question, and I think that I'm going to talk about this for a little bit. I think that it would be good for you to pull out and find that scripture that you were talking about uh, as far as they were never, they were never of us. That's going to be good. But one of the things that I'll say on this off the top, we have to, when we talk about apostasy, um, we have to think about who qualifies to be an apostate. And that's just basically when we say apostate, that's just um, a title of anyone who, is operating in apostasy, apostate. So one of the things I would say off the top is who doesn't qualify to be an apostate? That's unbelievers uh, because they never were in Christ. So even though they fit the description of everything you read earlier in terms of boastful lovers of themselves, all those things that were mentioned, that the the apostasy of it is when someone who's supposed to believe, be a believer begins to move in that same thing where they're indistinguishable from somebody that's operating in Babylon in the world. So I say, number one, a person that um, doesn't qualify to be an apostate is an unbeliever. Uh, another one is those who were in false religions from the beginning. Because all those people can be evangelized. They were never converted. They never confessed to faith, that kind of thing. So whatever. And I believe, this is my my belief, I believe it's, it's on point in the sound doctrine, but I believe newborns don't qualify to be apostates. So when people are still on the milk of the word and haven't matured or haven't reached a level of maturity in the faith, I don't believe that they would qualify to be an apostate even if they fall into moral failure because they were on milk and never reached a place of maturity. But we could talk about that a little bit more later. And I'll also say backsliders. You could be a backslider and not be an apostate, and that means you can fall into some things. But I believe that when you move into apostasy, going back to the definition, it is to it is to defect. And also another um, definition, another example of that, or another definition that they use is to revolt. So not only to defect from the faith, but to revolt against the faith, to leave, to depart from it, to move away from it. And in most cases, it is to stand against it. And one of the, um, um, well, we can get into some other examples of people, because I know you're going to talk about some examples of people um, later and we can get into that. But there are some people in the past that I was like, man, I can't believe you're talking like this now. You're preaching another gospel. I'll just say the name now, like Carlton Pearson. When Carlton Pearson started preaching the doctrine of inclusion, and he began to start going from saying that, you know, I believe Christ is the only way to twisting it and saying, yeah, he's the only way, but you don't even have to receive him or accept him 
because he died for all, and so therefore, um, since you're a part of the all, you automatically are included in uh, that. So he began to start preaching another gospel, even though he was preaching sound doctrine in the beginning. So off the top, those are the things that come to my mind when I think about uh, the question about, okay, how do we make a distinction between people who just are, you know, who never were in and people who were in? Now, going a little bit further into that whole concept of if you are in in the first place, there was another scripture you read that talked about, it said something about those who endure to the end concerning the faith. And I believe that that's a major component in the faith that saves us should be an enduring faith. It should be a faith that doesn't wear out 10, 20 years in the game or because I got discouraged or I lost my wife, I lost my house, and now I don't believe in God. That means the faith that you had in the beginning wasn't enduring because the only we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. But the only work that I would say, if it was any work that we needed to keep, it's the work of belief. It's the work of continually believing on him. If we ever cease to believe on him or begin to believe in another Christ, then that's when I say now we have to get into that conversation about once saved, always saved, who qualifies to be um, considered an apostate, that whole conversation is a rich sub subtopic in this topic that gets into some theology and some stuff like that when we get into it. But did you find that scripture? Yeah, I did. So it's first John chapter two. And I'm going to start in uh I think it's good to start at verse one. So it says, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keeps his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brothers, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not where he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you 
for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, plural, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist that denies the father and the son whosoever denies the son the same has not the father but he that acknowledges the son has the father also let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you you also shall continue in the son and in the father and this is the promise that he has promised us even eternal life. So, and I'll, I'll read this last verse because it's kind of, I think it's really fitting. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. What do you have to say to that? That is so, it's so rich. I mean, so much in that. I'm just going to try to stay focused on one part of it. I know, I know, right? <laughs> it makes you want to go into all of it. But one of the things I highlight in um, retros- uh, in, in reference to the topic we're talking about, he said many antichrists are already in the midst of, of, of you, and basically they came out. If you would go back to that scripture, he said that um, passage, that verse where he says, um, they came out from them. Yeah. So to me, what stands out with that is these particular antichrist spirits are spirits that are familiar with church, familiar with the works, familiar with the ministry 
it reminds me of Christ saying, um, you know, depart from me. I never knew you. You did all these in my name, but I never knew you. Um, He didn't say, you know, I knew you and I forgot you, but he said, I never knew you. And then it goes back to the other thing that stands out when he said, um, those who deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. And once again, it's, it is a denial, but the premise is to everybody else, we see you as believers because you put yourself, you came as an imposter or you put yourself in the midst of us. We began, we, we began to trust your words, trust your reputation, trust what came out of your mouth, your ministry, and then you turned, you turned out to be something different than what we thought you were. And then not only that, not only did you keep it to yourself and struggle in private or just talk to your spiritual leader and say, I'm dealing with some stuff, but you decided to make an open uh, stance against that which has already been made known what the truth is. And so, therefore, you have now become an enemy. And Christ said, those who do not – what was that scripture? I think – I don't know if we talked about it in the podcast or if we talked about it offline, but – you were talking earlier about that scripture about gathering and scattering. What did Christ say about that? You do not, if you scatter, if you um, do not gather with me, you're scatter or something like that. You remember what I'm talking about? Um, I think you're talking about if you're not against me, then you're for us. He said something about like those that are doing things that are pro- that are promoting him and what he's about, then they're for us. They're not against us. That's that, what you're talking uh, about? Uh, uh, I probably was thinking about that conversation, but now that I pull it up, it's Matthew twelve thirty, where it says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Okay. And so that speaks to all of that. So uh, it's, it's just a lot in that. What do, what do you have to say on that scripture? I mean, um, yeah, I feel like it's interesting how it's like okay, that's it, it. I'm gonna say that that actually is a little tricky with Jesus saying it the way he said it because it isn't saying that they are like in the fold. It's just saying they're not against me. So let them do what they're doing because they're still going to help what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's like saying, okay, like for instance, when uh, Balaam was on his way to do something that God didn't tell him to do, the donkey saw the angel that was about to kill him. And he stopped because he saw the, the sword drawn. But Balaam kept on kicking him. And then he finally spoke to him. Balaam spoke, I mean, the donkey spoke to Balaam. As some might say, the ass spoke to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> he, you need your ass to speak to you, don't you? <laughs> so, so anyway, um, it's like the ass is not born again or anything but it's also doing something that's going to be helpful to the movement of what God is doing. So 
that's something that you don't want to prevent or stop, but that does not mean the salvation of the ass either. Right. So right. that's where it's a little tricky because there's a lot of people, and um, I'm not going to claim to know all of those people that are like this that are in the public eye, but I can guarantee you there's a lot of people that's being used by God because they are someone that people are listening to, and God is still able to get truth through them some kind of way. Like, okay, this is where we're going to get into a little bit of what's the difference between a false prophet versus someone who is, you know, living their life um, in an ungodly way, but they still are acting like they are, you know, they're preaching the gospel they're preaching the Bible. They are speaking of what the word says and everything, but they're no different than a tape recorder or some recording device. That recording device, it just records what it heard and it can regurgitate it. That doesn't mean there's any anointing on it or anything like that. But at the same time, which is another thing that I say is a thing that's a little dangerous is the fact that God confirms his word no matter how or from whom it is coming. So, in other words, someone, and this was a problem that I had years ago with, I'm going to be as real as I can be right now. I had a big problem with God not judging people who were supposed to be, you know, ministers of the gospel, but they were obviously not living their life properly and they were leading people astray and or they seemed to still be preaching the word in the eyes of most people but it was just that um it was more of a thing where god was like okay people are listening to them and they are speaking my word even if they're not living it so i'm going to confirm the word with signs following but then it looks like it's because that person is a man or a woman of God. You follow what I'm saying? Thanks for listening to the New Numa Godcast once again. This is your host, Norm. Follow me at Norm the Professor on IG. I'm in agreement for power and breakthrough in your life. Keep tuning in every week for that real talk, new life.